Next, uh, we've kind of been spending this year, um, remind, the beginning part of this year, like reminding us uh, why we gather, that the importance of gathering on Sundays, that that's part of the ways we gather. We gather here as a, as a body of Christ. We gather uh, during the week uh, and throughout other ways during the week in our missional communities to share meals, to pray for one another. Uh, inside of that, to, uh, to grow and deepen our walk with him in DNA groups that help us point our hearts back to Jesus to help encourage one another. Uh, and so um, I, we have this kind of period of time now between here and Easter. I've been I've been praying through that actually since December. Like, God, where are you going with that? Where are you wanting us to like teach and talk about and understand as we get into that and uh, into the season? And I think it often comes back to, uh, I, you know, we, we did a sermon series in, in the fall uh, of 2021 uh, on seeing Jesus. Like, and I do feel like that's one of the things that, um, the world needs that we need to be reminded of. It was based off the idea that sometimes, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Chosen series, you maybe get a better or a different glimpse. I don't know if better is the right word, a different glimpse of Jesus. Um, maybe more human, more like, oh wait, I can relate to that Jesus. And I think so often that is what's going on in the world around us. And my heart over these next four gatherings uh, leading up into Easter is to connect to um, Maybe where, where we or others are missing Jesus. Like maybe just missing that that's really him happening, what's going on there. And so think of it this way. It's a question to us to talk about here real quick. How often do we read the gospel accounts of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then comment to ourselves, how, how do the disciples not recognize what he's saying there? Uh, how do the religious leaders in crowds not get what Jesus is doing right now. Like, do they not see these connections that we're seeing? Um, um, are, how are they missing Jesus and what he has come to do and what the, the kingdom of God is going to be like? Now, one of those, real, the way they're missing it or how they might miss it is that Jesus often speaking in parables, which doesn't make it extremely clear sometimes. He's like, what, wait, like, what did you just say? How did that happen? But if you were to think right now, what are some ways that, um, uh, what are some ways um, that are some examples from the Bible that we would look like and go, it's clear that Jesus is here and that yet the disciples or some other people are missing Jesus. Do you have, can you think of any opportunities where people are missing Jesus? Maybe in how he was going to be or what he would do. Any ways that you would see um, examples of, of people missing Jesus? Like, what, yeah, the, the big deal here is that, <laughs> hey, he has healed somebody. Wait, oh, but you did it on the wrong day. Sorry, you can't do that here. Can't do that now. Missing some of the bigger points, huh? What else? Yeah. Peter's like, no, this isn't happening, right? I mean, you can think of a lot of things Peter says is that way, right? Like, no, not, not, you don't do that, God. You can't, or Jesus, you can't do that. That's not, no, he's like, no, no, that is reality. I'm going to do that. And this is what's going to happen. Pulling out the sword, chopping off the ear. Jesus is like, come on. Just, I'm, just imagine, like, I'm just imagining what that looked like as he picked the ear up to like put it back on the, see, that's the, you're missing what's going on here. When, when John the Baptist sees him and says, look, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world, 
You know, they heard that in so many different ways, right? Yes, finally, we're going to be the ones in charge and in control. Finally, we'll be over everyone, not, oh, hey, he really sees us right now. It's easy, again, to look at other people and how they're missing Jesus. What are the ways we miss Jesus today? What are the ways that we miss Jesus today? We're close, like right there. We get a piece of it, and like, ah, but yeah, it's like we kind of just keep on zooming by. Maybe this is a hard one. Also, is like, how how do I miss him? Not just like other people, right? Because it's like, wait, I, I, do I miss him? Do I see him as faithful, as one who's going to be there? Because we're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know that about Jesus, but I don't know, do I fully trust it? Um, this idea, and I think that's the question that's really going into this, and really the, the focus for me over the next four weeks is just that continued reminder of who is Jesus? And God, help me not miss him, not just from your word, especially not from your word, but where Jesus is in our lives today. I've, year, I've shared this quote before, and I think it's a, it is... Uh, a picture of our culture today. It's uh, Mark Sayers in his book from the Disappearing Kingdom. He says, today we want the kingdom without the king. And I think that's one way that we miss Jesus most often is that we want what Jesus talks about, what he shares about, what he tells us all about, what sounds like really good news, but we don't actually want him to be our king or the one that's telling us what to do. Within every one of us is a longing for righteousness and justice, right? We want to see things made better, to be the way they ought to be. We want things in the world, and maybe at least in our little corner of the world, right, to be at peace. We want to get rid of human trafficking, racism, hunger, homelessness, abuse. We long for the day that we can all coexist, all be together in a world with no war, no violence, no murder, no hatred, right? Like, there's very few people you're ever going to come in contact with that go like, yes, I want all of that. They want it all. We want it all. Where everyone is valued as an image bearer of God and no one is marginalized. Well, these desires well up from within us. We also want the right to choose what is right and wrong for ourselves. We don't want someone forcing their views on us or telling me this is the way it has to be. When we come up with those uncomfortable parts of the Bible that we begin to read and it's challenging our thoughts about, wait, I don't just get to choose how I, how I live. There is a way that God has called us to be. We want to be in command of our world. We want to control our world. We want things to happen in the way that we want them to happen, the way that makes sense to us. We want the authority to rule our own kingdom and judge for ourselves what is right and what should happen, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately what we want. I desire that. I want to be able to say, this is the path that's going to go, and it happens there. Think back in our lives, how has that ever gone when our path is the path that is followed, right? This was not the path I would have charted out. I mean, when we've talked about our, the charting out, just the path of our church is by no means the path that I was like, this is exactly how it will go over the next six years and what it will look like. I can tell you I never envisioned having a gathering 
in a firehouse. That was not a part ever of that. I love it. I'm so thankful for it. I, I hope we, this was, I would love more places like this, but I never thought that. There was never a part like, you know what we need is just a really cool firehouse right across from a high school. That would be, that, that would be it. That's what's the step for us. We want the kingdom without the king. We want all that Jesus promises and all that Jesus is without him having to be in control. This is not new to our generation, to us. It's, the, um, it's been present since the garden. You know, what masked the issue for so long, or maybe where we didn't see some of this in our own life, was that others shared a biblical worldview, right? So others were kind of in agreement. We're all seeing the same thing. We want righteousness and peace and justice. We want all these things, but we're just assuming everyone else wants them like we do because it's the kingdom of God, not because that's just what they want. And Barna's most recent, recent research on Gen Z uh, it states the alarming statistic that only 4% of this emerging generation has a biblical worldview. Like, that's startling. 4% of the upcoming generation to see the Bible as a thing to shape their lives. What this means is that young people who want social justice are not rejecting God. They don't even know him or that he even exists or that this is something that God would want. What they may know is a dim reflection of our true king with a no desire to know him more. So how can we help them if we ourselves are missing Jesus? How easy, how easy is it for us to miss Jesus as we walk through our everyday lives? To miss where he is at our work, where he is at work building his kingdom, the kingdom of God in the world around us. And so over these next four weeks leading up to Easter, or including Easter, will be a time for us to be reminded that we have a king in this kingdom. That he came and did what we could not do. He begins or inaugurates that kingdom. He displays the kingdom in his life. He transforms the image of the kingdom and he purchased the kingdom. And one day we live with the hope and assurance that he will return the kingdom of God and all will be well. All will be as it should be. That's the hope. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be just spending time in the Gospels, reminding ourselves of that. And I'll just tell you, I'm even encouraging us to spend uh, kind of an in-depth time on our own, like just reading the Gospels. Again, we do this uh, several different times of the year, or different times of the year. I think this is a great time uh, as we look forward to that, to just like read the accounts of Jesus's life, to not be pulled away from that. So we're going to read today from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. See this account of Jesus and see how some were missing him in ways that Jesus also brings and begins his kingdom here on earth. So following with me, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the water, Jordan, uh, the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse nine, in those days, uh, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Verse 12, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning I pray that where we might be missing Jesus, and his bringing of the kingdom of God, would you open our eyes to that this morning? Would it be fresh fuel and fire to our hearts and souls? Rather than, than um, shaking our head or um, pushing ourselves back into shame how we've missed him, would you just remind us of who he is and what he has done and who we are Help us to see that this morning. Thank you for this word. I thank you for the reminder of this, the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that we, as we proclaim it this morning and we share it in our everyday lives, that you would um, yeah, just work deeply in us to see where we might be missing him and help others see where they are missing him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we think of this story, um, I always, it's helpful to continue connecting it back into the, the bigger story, right? So Jesus is coming here. This is Mark's beginning of the gospel. And I like this today because it's very helpful for us to just see uh, the short glimpses of it. We're not going to get into detail into each of those areas, right? We could have a sermon on, each, uh, on several of those sections just by themselves, right? To just talk into it. But as we're looking at the beginning and the inauguration of the kingdom of God, it's a reminder that there's a need for that. That the kingdom of God has been this already not yet reality that we've been dealing with. Right? There, are, there are social uh, and political implications for uh, living in the kingdoms of this world that come from acknowledging the kingdom of God as our highest authority. It's also true that the kingdom of, our, of God is often hard for others to see or distinguish between the two. So I want us to think back all the way back to the beginning of the story. The, key, uh, the kingdom or dominion mandate uh, that we see in the beginning in Genesis 1.28 to take charge of the earth for the Lord's glory, right? The reminder there in Genesis from the very beginning is that in the beginning of the story, uh, um, uh, Sada, will you put the true story of God? Because I just want to remind us of that, right? We see this picture um, as a reminder to us because this helps shape us the story, and it helps shape and tell others that where we're at in the story, right? And that this story has impact. We're joining into a story that God has already been doing. It's not something that we're just um, like making up and conjuring up. This has been going on. And so there's creation, the beginning in creation. God creates all things, right? And he creates, uh, Adam and says, you know, 
there's a, there's a mandate to go and multiply. You're made in my image. Go multiply my image. Go see that um, and, and take command. Be over and in charge of it, in dominion over it. It's a spiritual command to make all things reflect more clearly and beautifully the reign of our sovereign God. That's the goal as we go out. Make things look like, remind us, to see that you've been made in my image, continue to cultivate that in the world. So we see that in Genesis 1.28. But we also know that Adam and everyone since Adam lost the capability to exercise this kind of holy rule when he violated a spiritual command, right? Genesis 3.17 through 19. He says it this way. He said, and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten off the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. And in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. And your, your, uh, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken uh, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. We see this picture, listen, what was going to be is not anymore. You won't be able to do that, but there's also that promise, right? And that leads us to the next part. We see that moving forward in the, uh, from the rebellion, uh, which is the decision to go against God's ways, to not obey, to not do what God's called them to, a promise that there will be one that's coming that will write and make all things new. He will be the right king. He will be the right judge. And just as we read out of Psalm 132 earlier, where's the promise of this savior to come would come out of the line of David, right? David and the nation of Israel continue to be unable to make fully manifest God's kingdom because of their unrepentant sin and the Lord sent them into exile, right? We see that in 2 Kings, we see that throughout the Old Testament, this continued picture of God's people not being able to live out the promise. Like they're not the one. It's like we see all throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the over and over and over again of this is not the one. This is not the one. They cannot do it. We see it. Uh, um, you know, uh, you can look, I mean, you can pick anybody out. I have Zerubbabel here, right? He was a less than stellar reign after the return of Israel from Babylon. And it only shows that the spiritual problem of faithfulness to the law of God continued among his people, even after they were restored to the homeland. So even after they get back to Jerusalem, it's like things still aren't right. There's a continued need for someone to come and make things right. They keep looking and hoping for that promised one who will bring the rightful rule of the kingdom of God back to earth as he promises. And that's when we get to when Jesus saying there in verse 15, right? Verse 15, he says, the, full, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What you've been hoping for I wonder in that one line phrase, right? The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God's at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, if they were missing what he was actually saying right there. I want you to know it has begun. It is happening. The kingdom of God is here. That connects back to Daniel 9.25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, and for 67 weeks it shall be built again in the squares and moat, um, and, uh, but in a troubled time. Daniel, is, this connection that Jesus is making there is back to even this prophecy that there's one that's coming. And he's saying, that's me. Even Paul recognizes this as we talk it. We see it in Galatians and in Ephesians, right? But Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might be received, we might receive adoption as sons. 
So this kingdom is being brought is being brought here to bring us into what God has already done. There is a, a timing of this, a reminder of this, that God is in charge of this and he's going to fulfill that promise. The promise is redemption in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I am that redemption. I am the one that has come. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 says it this way. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to what we do, what he did which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth, and things on earth. That's the picture of the kingdom of God coming, is that they be, we be reunited with God, heaven and earth again. So, yes, the Lord's kingdom is this thing we will see and experience, but it's also a, it's a spiritual kingdom, right? Many Israelites in this first century associated the kingdom of God almost wholly with an earthly realm that would conquer, uh, that would conquer whoever oppressed them at the time, right? They, they thought, this is just going to mean um, no more Rome. We're going to overthrow Rome, right? That's what we'll see in a few weeks when we talk about God's kingdom being redefined or reshaped by Jesus, when he makes his interest into, into Jerusalem, right? many that day were praising, yeah, this is it, Hosanna, we just sang it. This is it, things are going to change. And they are going to change. But it's not going to mean that all of a sudden now they're the powerful ones. It's going to come in the lowly. And it explains why many Israelites in that day did not recognize Jesus, why they missed Jesus as the Messiah who inaugurated the kingdom and restored a righteous dominion to Israel. They lacked a clear understanding of the spiritual nature of the kingdom. They did not understand that why the Messiah first had to overcome spiritual hindrances to the kingdom before he could be manifest in this physical form. From Christ's birth through his entire life, right? We can look through God's story. We go throughout the Gospels. His entire life is a life of obedience. Obedience to the Father. And we see it not only in his life, but in his atoning death and the resurrection and the ascension. They're all means by which he inaugurated or began the kingdom. Jesus is the beginning of that kingdom. And we see these in the verses prior. Um, oh, sorry. He was restarting and resetting what God's kingdom would look like. He was giving them this new picture. God's kingdom you thought was going to look this way, right? We, we see in his teaching. His teaching is, wait, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. We see this Jesus saying, like, the kingdom of God looks different than what you think it is. In fact, he looked different than they thought he would. And we see in the verses prior uh, to this, uh, this claim in verse 15 of Mark, we see um, uh, an event that stands out as is, 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 is an encounter with Satan in the wilderness. Verses 12 through 13. And I love here because it's just, again, a simple thing. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And we know from that story what that time in the wilderness looked like, right? His temptation from Satan. What are the temptations from Satan? Anybody know those? He's 40 days in the desert, so food, he's hungry. Surely you can turn these stones into bread, right? That'd be good. Oh, that would be good. What else is the temptation? Dominion. Like you could have it all. This can all be yours. And the other one. Huh? 
Huh? Yeah, if you fall, you, you can jump off the temple and fall. They'll, they'll carry you. You don't have to worry about anything. Like, really, almost kind of saying, like, you know, that, like, whatever's going to go on, everything's going to be fine. Right? Um, these pictures here, uh, the stones into bread, jumping from the temple, the kingdoms of the world. Satan wants, uh, Satan wants us to both, like, question God's word, right? Like, Jesus comes back to him every time with God's word. Let me know you say this, but let me tell you this. Even Satan tries to come back and you use God's word, but he's using it wrongly. Um, he's also calling him to doubt his identity. What happens just before this, right? That simple picture of his baptism. He's baptized, and as he comes out of the water, the, the heavens are torn open. I'm still trying to imagine in my eye this week as I've been reading that, what does that look like for them to be torn open? And then what, is, what, what does it look like to come down like a dove? And what is the Holy Spirit coming down looking like a dove look like? I don't know. I would love to. Like, I'm just in my mind's eye trying to imagine that. And in that moment, everyone that's there sees that. All of John's disciples, everyone that's been that's encountering this and going, well, that's different. That didn't happen when I got baptized, <laughs> you know. And then there's a voice that comes from out and says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. So. I think for most of us, if we had that experience, right? If that's what we're asking God for most of the time. Can I just have that experience so I will never doubt that I'm yours? I'll never, I'll never have that issue. But yet Satan knows we're going to forget who we are. Right? Think of Adam and Eve. We don't know how much time goes from Adam being told, you're good, you're created in my image, you're my image bearer, go, go multiply my image over all the earth. And that, and when he and Eve succumb to the temptation. But in that, Satan wants us to doubt our identity and, and our place in the kingdom. When Adam succumbed to that temptation, right? To remind it, the first thing is like, is, is, that, is, what, is what he said really true about you? Can you really not do it? It's like trusting. Can I trust God? Do I, am I able to do that? But once Jesus succeeded in the wilderness where Adam failed in Eden, it's a reminder to us something new is happening. There's something different going on right now that hasn't happened before this. The stage was set for him to do all that was necessary for us to rule and reign with him forever just as he intended. So that's another picture that I never got in my growing up in the church is the idea of ruling and reigning with Jesus like it was supposed to be. Again, I was just telling somebody this the other day of thinking like what heaven would be like. And as a kid, I just thought it meant we were just going to be singing songs a whole lot in white robes, walking down the streets of gold by crystal seas. And this is just going to be amazing like that. And that sounds neat and all, but how long do you do that? For eternity? Okay, I guess that'll be really awesome because I'm going to believe that God's so awesome. That's what I would want to do. And though those are pictures and places of that, we also get this picture of the kingdom of God coming is the joining, the uniting of heaven and earth together. And then like it was, imagining, then it's completely different. If I think of it in light of the Garden of Eden, they walked alone with him in the cool of the day. They had relationship and talked with him. Adam and Eve weren't just, they weren't wearing anything. I don't know if I want that or not. They weren't wearing robes and they weren't just singing. So God, if you're wanting that again, I'm just trying to even grab in my head what, what, what that might look like. Jesus was saying, 
in, in essence, there's a new sheriff in town. Hansel, that's a Western reference. New sheriff in town. I'm here to take over. I'm in charge now, right? I'm ready to, now everyone's going to know who's boss. But the way he's doing it still seems very different from what everyone else is thinking. There's a new way to live in this kingdom. The kingdom is different than you think. Let me help you understand that. And he will pay the price to purchase the kingdom. It's not a, hey, you've got to pay this to get in. I'm going to pay it so you don't have to worry about that. So as we think about missing the kingdom and seeing Jesus, missing Jesus and seeing Jesus as the beginning and the start of our kingdom, of understanding that, a joy and a privilege we have for, for those of us who long for the kingdom to come to earth as it, um, for, for the kingdom of God to come to earth as it is in heaven, is to help our world meet the one true king. Is to help those who are missing him say, hey, it's not like that. He's not like that. The king from which justice and mercy flows, the author of righteousness and love, the king of compassion and empathy, that's what we want to show them. That's what they're missing. The one who values life so much that he would lay his own life down. The one who is making all things new again. We must help people see who they are missing before they can understand the why and hows and what's of Christianity. Right? So often we're trying to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it without seeing there's someone that caused us to do this. And the Spirit has been convicting me of that in my own life. I want to serve and be a connector in our community and love our schools and be a, a, a faithful dad and husband and show up at the flag football fields and help out all I can there. But if I only do those things so that Randy is a good guy and everybody goes, that guy is just a good guy. He just does, he just does good things. That, that sounds great. It builds up my ego, but it is not showing people the kingdom of God because it's showing that, hey, there's some just good people in this world. I don't want to be just a good person in this world. I want to be an obedient son of the Father who's redeemed me and restored me through the blood of Jesus. And that changes everything about me. That changes how I look, what I do with my life. And I, get, I often remind myself, that means you have to speak it out loud, why that is there. Why is this happening? Right? That we would, we, we've said this a lot in our, in, our, in our church over the years, that we would live a life that would require a gospel explanation. Right? That we'd be empowered by the Holy Spirit that would require us, our, our life would require the Holy Spirit's power. So that means I'm always going to be in need if I need the Holy Spirit's power because I can't just do it on my own. And it would require a gospel explanation. Well, if we live a life that requires a gospel explanation, but we never explain this is why we're doing it, <laughs> we can do the one part of that, but we also then actually have to proclaim it. We have to share and show it. And, and for me, this is that one piece where I'm like, I'm missing Jesus as my king. I'm missing the kingdom of God because I can just do a lot of really good things. And sometimes for my own, my own ego, for my own feeling of like, yeah, I'm okay. This makes me good. So as we think about reaching other people, as we think about even this younger generation, I feel like this is another step where we were, for me where God is saying to bring the gospel to this next generation is going to be a place much less about, um, I don't know, a fancy building or a lot of things to attract them, to get them there, 
but it's can we show them this miss, how they're missing Jesus and the kingdom of God? And then where am I missing him in my life? And where am I I'm not seeing missing the kingdom of God in my life? And the first thing would be to question, maybe you know, know him as king, but we often live like you are the king of my kingdom, that I am the king of my kingdom instead of him. So if we've connected, am I missing him? Is Jesus the king? That question is to respond to that. It's to even give that opportunity for others to respond. That there's, Jesus wants to be your king. He wants, he's died on the cross for your sins so that you might have life in him and to restore things as it would be. And if it's for us that is struggling to um, see him and the king in her own life, I would just go back to what do we say does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is someone who wants to be with Jesus, who's learning to live, become like Jesus, and is ultimately living like Jesus. And so I would just encourage, in that first, encourage us in this first part, what does it look like for you to be with Jesus over the next 28 days leading up to Easter? And so one way that I just want to encourage you with that, if you, you, if you have a Bible reading plan and you're, you're good with that, you're, there's not, this is not like a mandate. I'm just giving you an opportunity in the Church Center app. If you look in there, there's a, a little tab down there at the bottom now that says 28. Um, you click on that and there's daily reading plan. It's, it's five, anywhere between three to five chapters a day. And we'll, you'll read through the Gospels up until uh, Easter, right up before Easter. And so it's just a way to kind of saturate yourself with the gospel, remind yourself of the story of Jesus over the course of these next four weeks leading up to Easter. And then just use that as a way to remind yourself of who you are in the light of who is Jesus? What has he done? Then, then who am I? That's going to tell you a whole lot. That's going to help see some of these areas where we're missing. Um, when we talk about those four questions, we, again, often all, only want to get to how do I live? What do, tell me what to go do. Just tell me what to go do. What do I need to do next? I want to encourage you here, like if you're looking for some of those pieces, it's uh, just like we talked about earlier, it's daily repentance. John's baptizing them. What, when they baptize, what do they do? They're confessing their sin. Just think of the confession as like, I'm just being honest with what I already know. I'm just bringing out honesty, the answer. Like, I'm sharing that out so that others might see that. So daily repentance. When we're living uh, like you're, uh, uh, especially when you're living like you're the king of your kingdom. Repent of those areas where you're the one trying to seek over control. Pray daily, right? Um, might even be the Lord's prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Pray that prayer over and over and over again. Remind myself over and over and over again that I am a part of a bigger kingdom and ultimately bring the kingdom, right? Live a life of love that requires the Spirit's power and a gospel explanation and then share it. So as we think about this, the beginning of this kingdom, I hope for us again over this next month as we prepare for Easter and even just as these conversations are more, you know, I think it's a time of year that the opportunities are there. Why do you do the things you do in your life? Why do you commit a Sunday to a part of your Sunday morning to go be a part of a gathering or share a meal with people in your house? That seems normal to us. That is not normal for most people. Most people, if you ask them, who's someone you ate with? If it's not family, they don't know. They've not been over to somebody's house. 
So maybe it's like, who do you need to divide in your house over the next month to just share a meal with you, to experience life together, to enjoy the love of God in that? And so my prayer for us in that is that we would not miss Jesus as he brings the kingdom and that in our life it would create this love and hope and joy that is overflowing that can only be explained by God having transformed our life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that can only be explained that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that that allows us to do the things that we do. It's not just because we're really good people. It's not that I have some extra gifting that someone else doesn't. We just have the Holy Spirit inside of it that, that, that empowers us and makes us more like Jesus. Let me pray for us.